Hello, John Williams. Hello, James Ranskin. So, John, John, you are the CMO of Instance uh, Group, uh, and you, you will introduce us to, to Instant Group. Let's make it short. It's, you are one of the main uh, players in the co-working and flex workspace industry internationally, also in Europe. You are based in London. And James, you are the head of research of Instance. So you are the one responsible for publishing all those great reports uh, with a lot of data. I love the way you, you create your charts <laughs> and, uh, because it's very, very um, intuitive and we understand a lot about the, the market. Um, the purpose of the, the podcast is to discuss about some latest numbers you have, uh, you have raised and, 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 um, and, and cooked and also have a bigger perspective about the evolution of the office market also based on the fact that uh, companies are now figuring out that things are changing and we will see what uh, what you have in mind for the moment and how you look the, the, at the forecast. But first of all, can you introduce us to, to Instant Group? Sure. So um, we think we're in a pretty unique position in that we have the, the largest and the oldest set of global data on a flexible workspace. So we have a full view of around 33,000 centers globally now, but increasing all the time. Um, and we've got that data going back over 20 years. So we have a pretty established view of supply, demand, and pricing on a global basis. And an intra-region comparison is just really useful as we see the market growing at different stages around the world. But at the moment in particular, being able to look at the different regions in some details, we see companies, uh, countries coming out of lockdown and how that's impacting the sector has been particularly useful. So one thing we've been doing over the last three months to keep ourselves busy is speaking to a lot of clients, both SMEs via the site, but also a lot of our senior corporate clients and heads of commercial real estate to really understand how they see the future of Flex and they see the future of commercial real estate and offices. Actually. So, so you are an intermediary between uh, landlords, uh, flexible operators, and also um, tenants. That's, that's, yeah. that's your main activity. You have a platform which is which lists a lot of uh, flexible workspace and working space operators internationally. That's your main activity. Exactly that. But we, we also, uh, we, we, we have found, uh, built and also managed uh, about two and a half million square feet of, of managed office space around the world too. So we have just done our latest deal in Chicago. We've closed two deals in Asia over lockdown and four in the UK. So we also have a position of being a provider of flex space as well. Okay, and uh, how many people work for Instant Group today to give an idea of the size of the company? It's uh, around 250 uh, today. Okay, okay, perfect. So, uh, James, as we said, you are the head of research, so you have this, uh, sen you have those sensors almost everywhere, and um, we, you had some uh, fresh data that we, we could share. Um, regarding the impact of the COVID uh, on the crisis, but uh, regarding the EMEA uh, region, so mainly Europe, um, you, you were saying that things were coming back uh, in, in most of the markets in Europe, with the exception of, uh, for the moment, Spain and the UK. Can you elaborate a little bit and uh, tell us a little bit how you have seen the, the impact and where we are now um, starting this month of July? Sure. Thanks. Yeah. So we, I mean, as we all know, COVID-19 has a huge impact on commercial real estate and flexible workspace as part of that. Um, we saw dips in demand of upwards of 60% um, as, as things kind of got into their, their worst during early lockdown stage. But quite quickly, the market started to rebound. And, and we've been watching over the last really three months, um, this, this gradual um, return to normal from a demand perspective, at least um, across, across Amir. 
where we are today, um, as, as you say, most of the markets actually are performing particularly well. Um, the last sort of month, um, places like Germany, France, uh, many of the um, you know wider EMEA markets are now seeing demand return to sort of even levels above their, their pre-COVID, um, which is okay. incredibly impressive. The last couple of weeks, there has been a slight pullback. Um, I think that's just some hesitance coming into the market as we've started to see wider, you know, globally, um, some some return to lockdown. Places like Melbourne um, sounds like Singapore's going into the same. So there's there's been a little bit, I think, more hesitance, but also there's a lot more data coming out now. So so companies are taking a little bit more time and being slightly more kind of strategic so, in what so, they're doing. So you mean you mean that uh, seeing that Melbourne is locked, locking down again, uh, that we have some uh, second small wave in some Asian countries and the situation of the US also impacts the psychology of people and tenants in, in Europe. That, that you yeah, that I mean, yeah. Exactly that. I mean, most of us now are out of lockdown. You know, we can go into the office in the UK, the same in, in France, um, in, in most parts of Germany, etc., in, in, in where you are in Belgium. Um, but I think mentally people aren't are still um, slightly concerned. Um, and, and that, you know, the, the action and what's happening in, in parts of Asia is, is playing on our psyche. Um, and therefore, I think that is causing some slight hesitancy. Just, just to add to that, though, so we, we held a call, a briefing call in Asia Pacific with around 70 uh, operators across the region yesterday. And they, they correlated with what we're seeing from our own data is that demand for flex space in Asia is up year on year, that we're seeing more demand from a bigger variety of clients than we've ever seen before, which is remarkable. However, it's not translating into deals yet. So, so clients, just James, who is a researcher and psychologist, seemingly it would, it would appear, uh, has a, um, is looking at, at how clients are, are driving. They're really interested in flex space. They want to see their options, but they're not quite committing yet because they want to see how lockdown pans out over the next few months and weeks, I think. Are those people new in considering the flex option or they were already considering it? Considering it? It's more like... Uh, it, it slows the process still because of the uncertainty around the, the situation for the crisis. Or we can say, okay, those are new people, never had in mind that flex uh, could become a solution, co-working could become a solution for them. And just it's been a few weeks of, of, hesitation, of hesitation so far only, and we could expect that they, they convert later. I think, I think the simple answer is, is both. Um, yeah. There was obviously a pause um, for people that were already looking for space just because I think they, you know, during early, early lockdown periods, quite often they weren't out to, you know, weren't able to go and see their, those offices. Mm. So, so naturally there was, there was a pause while operators and providers of space kind of got back into virtual viewings and provided that technology to allow that, that, that process to happen. Um, that being said, um, from John spent a lot of time talking to, to our, our large corporate customers and potential corporate customers. And I think a lot of those, um, those individuals and companies, this is still fairly new. Um, and they're still trying to work out how this can, can play across their wider um, workspace, workspace um, strategy. Look, I, look, I mean, we, this isn't as big a data set as our flex data, but I've surveyed and quantified 60 conversations with heads of commercial real estate from some of the world's biggest companies. And they're, they're all supporters and advocates of flex, and they mm -hmm. recognize the potential of flex within their portfolios of real estate. And I would say... 75% or more of them are now saying they will be using more flex going forward, indisputably. It has to play a bigger role in their corporate portfolios, which is great for our sector, right? 
How do you see them embracing the flex uh, option? Is it uh, partnering, up, partnering up with, with existing operators? Is in, we see also more and more of those uh, real, real estate property owner creating their own service. Uh, are, are they as for franchise or where do you see the trends going? It's a really interesting question, actually. Sorry, James, to, to jump in on this one, but I, 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 I really enjoyed getting their answers on this. I, I think they're waiting for the market to supply the answer. I would say a lot of these, these commercial real estate people have done business pretty much in the same way for the same, for a long period of time. Mm. They now know they need to find a more agile way of doing business and they need to find more solutions. I don't think they know what those answers are yet. And they, they want the sector to come to them with the solution. So I think it's a great opportunity for our, for our sector, but we're going to have to move fast to stay ahead of the curve. They, they do recognize that conventional landlords aren't providing what they want now and they will challenge them to do so and they'll challenge the rest of the conventional property market mm -hmm. they like the flex workspace product and they want to see more of it but to james's point on the on the conversation we had before the call started they want to look in regional or what we might call secondary locations in all countries and all cities to give more options to their staff and if they're going to find the right space then we as a sector have to work harder to provide it i think james yeah, I think one thing that we can't ignore is most of these larger companies, um, despite the fact they're looking for agility and flexibility, they have inbuilt requirements. They will have promises and commitments that they've made to their staff around the mm. types of workspace that, that, that they offer. Um, the traditional... You speak about uh, the tenants. And the, 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 yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, the employees, the individuals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the traditional office, flexible office and co-working um, occupier or, te or tenant um, tends to be or has been in the past an SME or, or a mm. freelancer or an individual or, and they are f a lot more flexible in what they're willing to accept or can accept from the space. I think what we will see and, and what we're already starting to see is the, the demand from those larger companies um, is going to be slightly different. Um, they have slightly different standards and to John's point around the secondary cities, most of the supply, and this is a broad brush statement, but most of the supply in those secondary cities tends to be slightly lower quality um, than what you would find in, in the central um, central markets and, and major capitals. And therefore, that I think need, we need to look at that as, as an industry and, and look at how we can raise that standard. Exactly. Uh, in the discussion we had to prepare the, this podcast, we, we mentioned, uh, for instance, this, this um, article in The Economist um, telling about the, the boom in the pricing of the real estate the last decades. Um, but also this article was mentioning that overall there were uh, uh, um, underinvestment in the real estate market, which is, was also explaining why this, the prices boom in all those, those, uh, those areas in Europe and not only in the UK or in, in, in France or, 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 or Germany, but overall uh, everywhere. And now we see that indeed, that was my question. Um, we see that the demand is going to boom we know that there was already a number of co-working champions, for instance, um, but most of them are operating in downtown cities in, in big locations. Uh, in the city in London, we see Manchester growing. Berlin, there was a lot of spaces. Uh, we see more in Stuttgart, in Frankfurt or Vienna. Um, but um, aside of that, it's still very, very limited. And as, we, as you said, the, the, the scarcity of proper investment quality buildings uh, seems to be maybe um, an element which could uh, uh, slow the process uh, in terms of uh, growing the offering and, and matching the demand that we see growing. 
how do you, what is your take on that phenomenon? Do, do you believe that it, it could really be a, a kind of bottleneck for this growth or um, there are all other elements that we have to take into consideration? Well, there's one way, there's several different ways of answering this, but one, one really telling anecdote I've heard is uh, two operators who I know very well who run pan-European uh, operations have said that they've never seen so much interest in landlords coming to them to try mm -hmm. and partner with them mm -hmm. on space. So th that, that's emblematic of what is happening. But to give you a wider answer, I think you're right. You're under, uh, real estate was underinvested in. We had record low vacancy rates. So you know the market competition was fierce, but it was fierce for flex operators to take space and it was fierce for customers trying to find space. So you, that was driving the market dynamic. Now we're gonna have a very different situation whereby in, in very expensive central locations, landlords and operators are gonna to have to compete incredibly hard to bring customers into those spaces and to provide spaces that are right for them. Yeah, yeah. And for the commercial real estate class, I mean, it's, it's been seen as, as a hedge, you know, an asset class for 30 years now. Every, we were saying every pension fund has topped up massively on commercial assets, right? And that serves the investor and the landlord. This sector to survive now needs to pivot and look back at the customer, the, the end user, yeah. the tenant and say, what are we going to do to keep this customer and to think more like the hotels market and aggressively fight for this customer and keep them for the long term. Otherwise, they'll just homework or they'll go to another option or they'll walk away. You, you, you had an interesting sentence on that. You said that uh, office market had not, even, had, not uh, had enough competition in the last years. And then uh, at the end, that's why also we are not happy with our office, traditional offices, because it's the turn towards the customer, the end user, the human being we are uh, at the end. And, and you see that, that turn happening now and that uh, competition will come also because of scarcity for the moment of demand for traditional office, I guess. A hundred percent. It's been an asset management sector, right? And that's the way that it's been treated and the way that all of commercial property is geared up to serving an asset class. And now this will be about service provision, like hotels. But for people, for those of us working within flexible workspace, this is no shock at all. This is what we've been doing since the inception of the industry. Yeah. But, but for property, this is a complete sea change for the way that they operate and the way that they have to function. They have to provide a service. I, I, we heard from a friend who's an analyst within the, the city market that a company like Great Portland Estates or British Land, big landlords in the UK, are finally hiring customer services staff now. They have to. Yeah. To, to yeah. stay ahead, they have to bring people in to look after their clients. They, they recognize the challenge this market will pose to them. And that will be a big departure. But I think for good, flexible workspace operators, this is all opportunity because we're experts in service provision. We're expert in brand and mm. lead generation. And this has got us where we've got to. What we now need to figure out better, I think, is how to work with landlords and convince them of the, our offer. Mm. And, and And the conversation with that landlords in secondary cities and regions, that will be a difficult conversation because they yeah. may not necessarily see the value in that. Yes, and they are not necessarily the same kind of uh, animal than you have in, in, in London or, or in Paris. Uh, exactly. They are sometimes family companies or uh, smaller ones. And indeed, as we mentioned, the quality of the buildings is not necessarily at the standard that you would have experienced. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, as, as Barclays in, uh, in the cities and you go all of a sudden in, in I, don't, I don't know, Nottingham and you have to well, deal exactly, with the old exactly. fashioned building. So that's, that will create some friction likely, but also a lot of learning, I guess. But, but this is already happening. I mean, yeah. we, we had an operator call on Wednesday and a brilliant operator office space in town was saying that their 
North, two Northampton centres, and Northampton is a very small city, a town in the UK. Mm. But even now, those, those centres are full. And they've okay. been full for the last three weeks. Uh-huh. Their London centre has five people in it. You know, okay. So they're, 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 they're big business, their central London location, which they pay a fortune for, no one's there. <laughs> Northampton, you know, almost an, an afterthought, is, is, is booming. So that's going to be a challenge. And we've, we've seen that from, from the demand figures recently. Yeah. These kind of secondary cities, all the, the satellite towns around the major, um, the major financial cities mm. um, have weathered the, the storm far better um, than than the big markets themselves. So we we did we did some research looking at the the smaller kind of commuting towns as we would call them um, around side the big cities in both Germany and the UK, and we found that in general, um, not only had those markets recovered a lot quicker from a demand perspective, but equally um, they actually didn't see you know the negative dips um, that the central markets did dur- during the early stages uh-huh. of COVID. So they they look you know, like the, the surefire bet for the future. Um, and I think customers are already looking um, at, and t- starting to kind of, I guess, um, approach those markets to understand what the offering is. Co-working and flexible workspace ultimately has been, you know, a fantastic boom for those markets because they've been able to invest and bring up the standard of space and provide a, a unique service in those markets, which traditionally has been missing. I think we now need to see that on a, on a broad scale. Um, and I, I think it all need to be a partnership ultimately between the landlords yeah. and the provider because neither can make, make do, do it, you know, and make, make it make sense financially on their own. It, it needs to be some sort of partnership. I keep, I keep a question on bottleneck because, uh, uh, James, uh, also for the, um, you mentioned in, in your research that um, the, the, the average size of deals grew by 22%. So it means that, bigger teams are going in a flex workspace. Uh, but if everything we say is, 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 is uh, revealing right and that, that's exactly the move we see happening, still the bottleneck will be huge. We will, uh, because to create and convert all those buildings and real estate properties into uh, fancy auto-like kind of workspace able to accommodate hundreds of people at once, uh, it seems like, wow, uh, we will have a waiting list for 10 years, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so there, there, is, there is a lot, a lot of work to do, and you're right, that could cause a bottleneck. I think you also have to, though, look at the other side of things, which is if you take you know, most companies out there that have traditional offices today, they have a lease. They have an existing requirement, um, and most of them are going to find it very difficult or costly to leave that lease early. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're seeing at the moment is companies, whether they're medium or or large, large scale, look at their strategy, their overriding strategy. um, And as um, these lease events happen, um, they will then start to move, um, you know, and change their strategies. Some are doing it much quicker than that. Some are taking, uh, I guess, the financial hit right now and saying, no, we need to do this um, no matter what it costs. Um, And therefore, those are the ones that I guess are the early movers. um, And those are the ones that we need to be catering for right now. But I think, you know, if we look at across the the whole of real estate, um, it's not, it's not going to be a, you know, a, a, one you know big shift because actually for some companies they're tied in for another 20 years um, yeah. still in, in certain locations so i think as i say you know we will see that 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 slow move from from some of those but equally some right now are coming to us uh, and coming to the market and saying no we need to move now um, and we need the offering 
Uh, a, a last point. Um, what do you think of, or do you see partnership or integration with other kind of service? We mentioned that, for instance, due to what is happening, uh, real, we saw some railways companies uh, considering to downside the offering because, yes, their trains are empty and they could remain empty for quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's expensive to, to operate and, and, and keep the maintenance and everything. Uh, and on the other hand, I just saw, I think it was also in the UK, um, I think it was Spaces or space like that, where marketing themselves because they had, I think, 300 uh, lots for bicycles. Meaning that indeed the, 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 the positioning and the, and, the, and the value proposition for them was, okay, you can come up to our space by bike and not, uh, okay, you will have, uh, we are in a class A building with, uh, you know, with super uh, good air conditioned and, and, and the elevators uh, takes you uh, in two seconds to the 10th floor and, you know, the kind of, of metrics we, we heard before. Um, do you see those kind of partnership or integration of, of um, proposals saying, okay, we are not only a space, we're also a space which is integrated with other kind of services and not other kind of values? I think everything's up for grabs or everything's to play for at the moment. What we are seeing from the real estate side of things is other real estate classes start to look towards um, the flexible working world and, and say, what can we do? How can we partner? How can we get involved? So we're talking to a number of um, landlords of sort of shopping centers and malls um, who are looking at, you know, the expected footfall on the high street is, is expected to fall, you know, wherever you are in the world. And I think a lot of landlords uh, are accepting or starting to accept that and therefore they're looking at how can they repurpose their space equally um there was fun, an interesting trend or, or term work works um, work hospitality yeah. and it was around um the increase of interest from hotels um equally you know these guys have got huge footprints um, a lot of the big chains have and they've got space um, a lot of it underutilized so equally i think those those sort of companies are going to be looking at, at what sort of joint offering um, can they can they bring and how can that provide a new type of service um, to the occupier job but, but i think that there, there's even more options out there like there's a, an awful term going around now which is resi-mercial you know so residential <laughs> residential okay. and commercial you know we're, we're finally if you're going to work near a home, what's, what's a, a good compromise? I, I don't like working, personally, I don't like working in my house because of all the noise and disruption. My son's just come home from a play date and has already been shouting up and down the stairs while I'm on this call. You know, but I, I would like to work around the corner. What's a, what's a good option for me, right? Or what's a good option to have a meeting with James if he lives half an hour away? And th th there's so many different options, but asset classes have just stayed in their lane. You know, this is retail, this is offices, you know, mi mixed use, yeah. Real estate has been a really difficult nut to crack, problem to solve. So I think there, there's so many more options now and, and property owners of all kinds are going to have to be a lot more fluid and understand the types of services that can be provided in their space. Hoteliers have spent the last five years trying to work out co-working, can they provide more workspace or provide options? Because it's nice to work in hotels. The Wi-Fi is good, the food's great, the coffee's better, right? It's, that's a good option. Retailers now are thinking, actually, could 10% of our space be co-working? And then we'll get those people buying from our shops too. And that would be a good way of bringing our proposition alive. And in the US, it's been quite normal to have co-working in malls for a while now. Mm. Um, but again, that service could be better. So it's just having more fluidity between these different services. And for I think for asset uh, managers in property to stop thinking in their lane and start thinking, well, look, 
what does a customer want? How do they use our space? There's much more freedom of expression there, I, I think. Awesome. Uh, we would speak about everything for hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but to end it, um, um, we are a partners, um, instant is a partner of the Coworking Europe conference. You have been so for quite a while. Um, for, for, for people listening to us, um, what, if they reach out to you, um, what for can they, they, can they come? Uh, is there something you can tell them or is it um, specific things you, you, you are proposing now that uh, I was having a look at? As John mentioned, you know, we sit on a lot of, of data um, and over the last couple of years, we've been increasingly being asked by um, landlords, by providers of space, by investors um, to, I guess, look at the markets and help them explore opportunities um, or, or understand risks. And I think, you know, if, if you're out there um, and you're looking at a particular market or you're looking at your current space and you're trying to understand what can I expect from it, um, what sort of pricing can I achieve, what sort of demand levels, what sort of occupancy, um, that's all sort of information that we sit on. Um, and we produce a mixture of, of uh, reports um, for companies, as I say, across the, the, the commercial real estate industry. We produce our, our marketing um, marketing reports or market reports um, about one a month on our website and, th and those are free to download um, and then alongside that we we do bespoke work um, you know if, if you have a, a question obviously you can you can reach out and we will see what we can do perfect perfect and uh, and we will have you at in Vienna for the co-working Europe conference looking forward to it's that. fresh fresh new data the latest trends uh, <laughs> that you are the uniquely positioned to get and and and, and uh, craft in a, in a great messages thank you so much uh, uh, James and Jones and thank uh, you very much all the best for for, 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 for the coming weeks well, I hope to see you in person very soon definitely bye 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 bye, bye.